So I'm going to quote a famous lyric um, that I'm pretty certain that a lot of millennials are familiar with, which will be the premise of this episode. Um, so the lyric goes, oops, I did it again. I played with your heart, got lost in the game. Uh, for many of many of these listeners who are the same age as me or grew up within the same um, age bracket, um, grew up in the same generation, you're quite familiar with that song lyric. And that is a song lyric from Oops, I Did It Again by the famous Britney Spears uh, that debuted around April or May of 2000. Um, it was a huge pop song. Um, it would go on to be one of the most famous songs of all time um, for one of the most famous entertainers of all time. Um, but the problematic aspect of that is it uh, indicates that she has done something again, participating in a emotional game with someone. But if, if she says, I did it again, it indicates that she has done it before. And by the simple word, oops, sounds like it was a mistake. And that's what happens to us human beings. We constantly make mistakes. Uh, but in reference to God, um, he never makes any. Welcome to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories. Life. You're born into the world, you grow, you mature, you go to college, you start a career and a family. Looks like everything goes as planned. Or does it? Welcome to the latest episode of The Glory Not Stories. I'm your host, Calvin Wayne Pennywell Jr. Uh, the title of this episode is Oops Says God Never. Oops Says God Never. So at the beginning of this podcast, basically quoting a famous lyric by Britney Spears, um, who, released, uh, who herself went, recently went through uh, an intense trial of, of um, gaining... Um, basically for lack of a better word ownership of her own life so um she's obviously been through a lot over the last few decades um since she came out as an artist but um i was just thinking about how problematic her lyric is in relation to uh, god's promises so I was mentioning before, uh, I was actually talking to my wife, Adrian, about how it can be difficult for somebody to believe um, that God 
is a God of mercy and grace when the person themselves had tragic, uh, quite traumatic experiences. And, and it, it makes you ask the question, so how could, how could God say he loves me when he has allowed such toxic, toxic um, interactions with people that I don't know and people that I love, you know? Like, how could such an awesome God, you know, allow such drastic uh, consequences to occur? Someone may even assume that it was their fault that things happened, you know. But I was just thinking about how when things happen in our lives that are completely outside of our control, we sometimes wonder or even ask the question, God, you didn't see that coming? And we sometimes mistaken God's um, allowance as negligence or a simple mistake on his part. But God doesn't make mistakes. God is very strategic. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. Um, so... He knows the ins and outs of anything and everything. Any, he knows the in and, in and outs of anything and everything we haven't even thought of or probably never will think of. But in order to fully understand that, one will have to dive into his word and actually choose to see life through his lens. And that's, it is difficult when your human experience is the only veil you're used to experiencing life through. So um, I just wanted to tackle a few instances in his word where one could easily assume that what happened was a mistake on God's part, when actually he already knew it was going to happen. Um, you know, the famous scripture that says all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So say, for instance, you live a life completely different than what you live now. Say you have a life that's 40 years, right? No, yeah, add a little bit more. Say you have a life that's 75 years. Say, for instance, 50 of those years you live, 50 of those years you lived a life completely different than the, 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 the latter 25. Just because you spent most of your life doing something completely different doesn't mean that God can't use that. Because, and we'll speak on this in, in, a, in a moment, God knew you, were bo knew you were before you were formed. He knew you before you were born. born. He knew the interactions and the encounters that you would have in your life. But he also knew that you would come out of it uh, once you made him you know, the Lord of your heart um, and the author of your faith. So, um, so I'm going to dive right into it. Not going to spend too much time um, on this, but I do wanted to highlight that, you know, we, we serve a God that does not make mistakes. Um, and we also serve a God that doesn't look at our past and, and look at us at, with shame he is a patient God. He's graceful. He's merciful. And since he exists outside of time, it's hard for us to grasp 
his involvement in things that happen, we automatically assume most of the time that either God shows up too late or he doesn't show up at all. Um, but the thing is, God said, I will never leave nor forsake you. He could have easily said, I will never allow bad things to happen to you. He's like, no, bad things will happen. I'm just reminding you, you have to remember that I am still there. I am there in the hills. I am there in the valleys. I am there in the light. I am there in the dark. I am there when people are commenting you. I am there when people are degrading you. I am still there because he loves you that much. And not only, not only that, God salvages everything that we experience. Everything. So the first thing I wanted to discuss uh, obviously was the beginning, um, which is labeled as, quote unquote, the fall uh, in Genesis 3 verses 21 um, through 24. And I'm actually um, but before I read the scriptures, I wanted to say this. It says uh, and I and I wanted to pinpoint the actual definition of the word fall. And by definition, it means move downward, typically rapidly and freely without control from a higher to a lower level. Now, what stuck out to me was uh, without control. Uh, Adam and Eve didn't really have full control of the environment they were in because God created it. Everything that they needed was provided. All they had to do was be, just be, right? Um, and by things happening the way that they did, um, Adam and Eve encountering, uh, having the encounter with the serpent, partaking of the fruit of good and evil, and then being um, removed from the garden. And you're thinking, dang, they slipped and they were out of control. Yes, they were out of control but not God, but God allowed it to happen only because he had planned to use it to further illustrate how much he loves us. So I'm going to go right quickly uh, to Genesis three and I'm going to read uh, the scripture so that we'll see exactly what happened. And it said verse 21 through 24. And it said, and, and Jehovah God made for Adam and for his wife coats of skins and clothed them. And Jehovah God said, behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand. Therefore, Jehovah God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden, the cherubim, the cherubim and the flame of a sword. And um, yeah, and let me, let me read this even more because this isn't doing a good job. Hmm. So yeah, basically, 
at this point, God had driven Adam and Eve out of the garden. He did it particularly, you know, to protect them, protect them from harm. And that is the aftermath of the decision that they made. And it's easy to say, like, God, you messed up. You made man and woman and you made them by mistake. You you put them in a certain situation. I don't think, God, you thought this through. And he actually did. He actually did. Uh, but he knew. He knew that they he was going to rekindle that relation, that initial relationship, put it put man in right standing um, from top to bottom. It was God, Adam and Eve and, you know, eventually their family. But God had to be uh, Adam had to be in alignment where whatever he was receiving from God, his wife, Eve, could receive from him. But at that moment, Adam had taken himself out of the initial placement, leaving Eve to lean upon her own understanding. And Adam did not speak up. Adam did not step up. Easily to say Adam made a mistake. Yeah, Adam did, but not God, because God could have easily stopped that, but he didn't because he had a plan. So, um... See, if I were you, I would go back and read not just the fall in Genesis 3, but everything that led up to that. And um, even with the issues, current political issues, um, I used to current, I used to just submerge myself in what was going on. But I had to remember God's original design, which goes to show that a lot of stuff that happens is a result of sin. Instead of blaming people specifically. You know, we need to address the root, which is sin. Um, so even in reference to Adam and Eve, the fall going back to, you know, a fall indicating a slip or a trip up, you know, um, shed, sheds light on a much bigger concept, which is the idea of making a mistake. But we make mistakes because we're fully human. But God doesn't make one a mistake because he's not human. Yeah, he came in, in the form of man. Um but the way that he was, he, you know, that Jesus was produced, he was the most perfect man, man, because he was God in the flesh. Um, but aside from all that, it is easy to assume that God made a mistake with the first prototype. And that is not the case. God knew exactly what he was doing. So, um, so, but before we move on to the next subject we'll go ahead and take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back to you guys listeners i wanted to continue i want to continuously extend the offer to tell your story here on the glory in our stories um i've learned that usually when i interview anyone not only do i learn more about the person i'm interviewing but i learn more about myself um, i learn how how different we are yet how similar uh the characteristics um that exist between either the two or three people that I interview. Um, but I would love to share your story simply for the fact that your story just might be the answer to somebody's question. 
so you may be sitting on a solution, you know. So uh, if you're open to sharing your experience, I would love to sit across from you or even call you and and have you share your your life story. So uh, you can hit me up on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. I'm also on TikTok. Uh, you can just type in my name, Calvin Pennywood Jr. And um, on Instagram, it's Mr. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it's Mr. Pennywell, M-I-S-T-E-R-P-E-N-N-Y-W-E-L-L, A-O-L, A-O-L, oh my goodness, A-O-L, <laughs> um, Facebook, um, obviously type in my name, and there you see me, and you can look me up on TikTok, but I would love to share your story, uh, just let me know, inbox me, um, shoot me a message, you can just post on my page, and we'll go from there, but thank you for listening so far, and again, um, it is, it's, it's a pleasure uh, to know that you're you're listening to uh, this podcast. It lets me know that we all have this um, universal human experience of just experiencing life, but wanting to make a, a choice to to hold on to hope. There's nothing more strong, more powerful, more influential, uh, more contagious than hope. So anyway, uh, continue to listen to the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories as we jump right back into the episode. So welcome back to the again to the latest episode of the Glory in Our Stories on this episode titled Oops Says God Never. Oops Says God Never. Uh, so at this point, we're going to dive into the story of Job. Uh, most people are familiar with Job. Um, Job is a man that had an abundance of life, family, resources. And um, Job had over his life what they consider hedge. And I looked up the definition of hedge. It's like a, a degree of protection. And um, let's see. So by definition, a hedge, which is H-E-D-G-E, you know, second definition is any barrier or boundary third one is an act or means of preventing complete loss of a bet, an argument, an investment, or the like, with a particularly counterbalancing or qualifying one. So, um, so yeah, it's basically protection. Basically protection. So, God had a hedge over Job. Over Job. And in the book of Job, um, Satan basically challenges God um, in a sense where I think Satan is trying to find someone to have his way with. And God approaches Satan and says, well, if you consider my, you know, my, 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 my follower, Job, you know, and the devil was like, no, because you have a hedge over him. And God literally says, no, go ahead and have your way. Matter of fact. I'll remove the hedge. And um, God, because God knows that Job will not deny God even in his worst state. So 
We'll go to this thing to Job chapter 1, verse 20 through 22. And um, I think this is a. Uh, I, I think this is the actual conversation that. Uh, that Satan has with God, if I'm not mistaken, I see. Well, actually, this is after everything happened, right? And and after all of this happened, this was Job's response. Now, keep in mind, Job lost everything. He lost his family, he lost his cattle. He lost his uh, resource. He lost his currency. He lost his means to survive. And at this point, again, this is Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Do you know how much faith you have to have to be in a position where you have lost everything? Yet you still praise God for what he was what he is and what he forever will be. Job's condition was not a mistake. God specifically allowed this to happen only to glorify himself. And I know a lot to us they may that sounds very selfish, but if you go to the beginning before sin existed, God said, "Let us make man in our image." So we were natural born reflectors of God. Hence, when God, when people see us as believers, we're supposed to mirror God. And the beautiful illustration that Dr. Tony Evans made was the issue is we have cracked that reflection. We have cracked the glass used, initially used, initially created to reflect God. God is the same. God isn't broken. Our reflectors are. So in this instant, God didn't make a mistake with removing the hedge from Job. God says all things work together for the for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Job was called uh, according to God's purpose. Not only that he Job loves God so much that he that he, you know, basically exclaims. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I would depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Despite all that, I'm still going to praise God for who he was, who he is, and for, and for who he forever will be. My wife had to remind me that we as believers have to constantly seek God's face opposed to just his hand. Seeking the giver and not the gift. 
So, um, so yeah, in the instance with Job, Job was definitely not an oops. He was not an oops. He was deliberate. God was deliberate with Job. Uh, let's skip down to uh, what God approaches Jeremiah. This is a famous scripture. Uh, Jeremiah 1, verse 5. And I'm going to read that uh, verbatim. Um, because this is very, very important. And as scripture reads, before, let's see, there we go. It says, before I formed, this is Jeremiah 1, verse 5. This is God speaking to Jeremiah himself. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And this is something he's specifically saying to Jeremiah. But again, he's saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So God finished you before he started your life. Did the same thing with the creation. Like God had already created it and he just birthed the idea. He birthed the concept. So before anything begins, it had already started. So when we look at our lives, no matter what age we are, God had already put things in order. He had already used the decisions that we are going to make to form our trajectory into the future, our trajectory towards completing his will as believers, as followers, as doers of his word. And in this situation with Job, you know, and well, I'm sorry, in this particular scripture with Jeremiah, um, he's basically reminding him like, yo, I had already set your life in motion. And I appointed you. I began a good work in you. And I will see it into completion. <laughs> so it, it also reminds me that every morning I wake up, that I breathe, that means whatever he's, I, he created me to do, I haven't completed yet. I don't know what when that day comes. Um, but I constantly remind my wife that I want to die empty. I mean, she used to tell me that a while back. And at first I thought it was kind of morbid. But I thought about it, I was like, no, I do too. Everything that God poured into me, I want to make sure that my cup is completely empty before he calls me home, before he calls me, you know, for judgment. So, so again, going back to, you know, you know, that general concept of somebody being an oops baby. That is not true. If you think about the reproductive process, um, when a man releases um, the sperm cells, it is millions of sperm cells. And all it takes is one, one, that one did not happen by chance. That one did not happen by probability. That one happened by assignment, by divine assignment. So no child is a mistake. God strategically formed that child, strategically knew that child before they were formed in their mother's womb because God had a plan. There's something in our lives. There's something, let me go even broader. There's something in this world that God wants to complete via you. 
He specifically said, I want, not, not I need, I want to do this through you. And that in itself is, is an honor. It is, it is an absolute honor. Um, we'll go to the next one, uh, which is um, the thief next to Jesus. You know, when Jesus was dying on the cross, uh, there was one thief, um, that these two, thief, two, two different thieves, um, there's two different criminals, quote unquote, had two different perspectives, um, literally hanging next to Jesus. And I wanted to retell those accounts so that we can get an exact representation of what happened. And this is Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, if you ever want to look it up. And specifically for this podcast is Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. 39 through 43. So let me jump down here to verse 39. And verse 39, it says, um, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, him being Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And then verse 40, but the other criminal rebuked him, him as in that first criminal. Don't you fear God? He's don't, don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, put the, put it into perspective. Like, yo bro, like you in the same situation as he is like, don't you fear God? Uh, and then he says, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. He's basically saying that here we we're hanging next to somebody who's being judged unjustly. But this man has done nothing wrong. And of course, the second criminal is re referring is referencing Jesus. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That is a proclamation. He didn't say, can you remember me or will you remember me? He's saying, no, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In verse 43, Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Um, that was not a mistake. It was not a mistake for these two men uh, or, or happenstance that Jesus happened to be between these two criminals. Uh, but it's a beautiful representation of two type of people, people that actually believe and Jesus and those who don't and those who who trust him and, and believe he was he is the son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the king of the true kingdom um, that we would gain access to paradise. And even this criminal is the most. Um, most uh, controversial position because he's literally about to die. But as long as you have breath in your body and you speak these words to Jesus, accepting him into your life, um, you are immediately adopted into the family. And he, he addresses you as child, um, as his, as his own. So, so yes, um, read more into that, um, whenever you get the opportunity. Uh, but again, this situation was not an oops. It was deliberate. Jesus was born knowing that his time was coming, but he lived his life with a deliberate um, purpose to be a stand-in for our sins so that our relationship can get back right to where it was prior to Genesis 3, prior 
the fall. Uh, one more, this not one more. Then I'm gonna do one more scripture reference, and then I'll close it out. Uh, Revelation, uh, the defeat of Satan. Uh, that's Revelation 20 verse 7 through 10. Wanted to read that right quick. Uh, let's see. I'm actually using my phone. Uh, if I use my computer, then uh, it might crash on me. So it says but Revelation uh, 20 verse 7 through 10. 7 through 10. I'm going to read this. So the judgment of Satan. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. I'm probably mispronounced that, but I apologize. And to gather them for battle in number, they are like the sand on the seashore. So it'd be massive. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people the city he loves but fire came down from heaven and devoured them and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown they would be tormented day and night forever and ever now keep in mind this is a revelation this was written in the past but it's referencing the future which goes to show that even this was not written by mistake. This is not a possibility. This is proclamation that Satan will lose. And even now we give Satan so much power as if he has the possibility of winning. No, Satan has already lost. And that's what this represents, the judgment of Satan. Satan will fall. There's no way. He has no chance. So I hope that scripture reference feeds into your hope of any situation that you're going through, letting you know that um, God has the last say so in everything that you go through. Just trust in him with all your heart, lean not upon your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge your father and he will direct your path. He will direct your journey. He will direct your purpose. Last thing I wanted to mention um, was the concept of first son, last child, only man. And this is my personal story. I'm not going to spend much time on it. Um, but in reference to my mom and my sisters and me, um, I was my mom's uh, first and only son. My two sisters came before me and then that was me. And I also happened to be, again, the last child, um, which, you know, benefits come with that. I had a conversation with my mom recently and I was like, you know what? I didn't realize how selfish I was because I don't like sharing. I don't mind admitting that because it's true. Uh, and I'm married, you know, and um, <laughs> so, but the thing is, I had to learn and I'm still learning how to share because this life is not about me. Being married is not about me. Um, so I, I realized I was being selfish. And I think that comes with being the last child and the only boy in my situation. And not only that, in reference to this situation, I, I ended up being the only man in the house. Um, so going back to this to the statement, first son. I was the my mom's first and only son. I was the last child, last one born, you know, the baby of the family. And I also had ended up being the only man. Now, all that was strategically done. Strategically. If I go through my life from as far back as I can remember to now, 
I was purposely placed at the end. And not only that, being the last child and you automatically assume that you're going to be the last one to experience certain things that your older sibling had already undergone. Um, but just because you're the last doesn't mean that you receive the crumbs of everything. And what I mean by that is I have this mentality that I will always be protected by other people. I will always wait for things to be handed to me, but never accepting the fact that I will be put in a position of leadership, that I will be the head of my home, that my wife and hopefully our future kids will depend on me to be a conduit for something much bigger. And that's why it's very important that us men are aligned with God because people are looking to us for answers. They're looking to us for solutions. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, the, uh, God is not a God of oops. He's not a God of mistakes. God knows exactly what he's doing. It may not seem that way at first, um, but God is strategic. He's intentional and he's a God of details. So again, just remember that if you find yourself in a bad situation, you find yourself being doubtful, you find that you're being uh, attacked more than you're being assisted. Um, it, and it seems like everything is out of control. God still has full control. Always remember that. Always remember. And all of that, he remembers that he loves you. Going back to Genesis, post the fall of man, God loved us so much that he protected us from forever living in sin because he had already planned, you know, the greatest love story ever created. He already planned redemption. He already replan he already planned, you know, returning back, having us return back to our first love. So I hope that this episode helped you in any way. And uh, thank you for listening. This is the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories with your host, Calvin Wayne Pennywell Jr. Uh, uh, recording this latest episode, Oops, Says God Never. Yo, thank you all for listening. Tune in next time for the latest episode of The Glory in Our Stories.